You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, episode 56 with Tanya Rapley. You're listening to the Trailblazers Podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. What's good, my people? Stephen Hart here, and I'd like to welcome you to a brand new episode of the Trailblazers podcast. We've got some really exciting things happening next week, and we'll be introducing our first sponsor. And also, we've got a couple really special episodes to celebrate Black History Month, the movie Hidden Figures, and our podcast, of course, celebrating its one-year anniversary. We've got a special episode for that, so be ready for our next couple episodes episodes 57 and 58 they're sure to be you know real treats for you and so you know today's guest is someone i've been trying to get on the the podcast now for a few months her name is tanya rapley and tanya is a nationally recognized millennial money expert she's the founder of the award-winning site my fab finance and you know she's deemed the new face of wealth building by Black Enterprise Magazine and was selected as a modern history maker by TV One. Her mission is to help millennial women break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck and look fabulous while doing it. And, you know, because of her relatable personality and fabulous flair, Tanya is a highly sought after media personality. Her work has been featured in Women's Day, Ebony and on Centric TV. And Tanya's expertise has also been recognized by popular media uh, outlets such as New York Daily News, Yahoo Finance and MarketWatch. Now, as a writer, Tanya has also contributed to Credit.com, BuzzFeed, and TheRoot.com, making her a powerful influence in the financial lives of today's millennials. Guys, you're definitely in for you know another great episode today that provides some needed wisdom and help us all really uh, you know to to be financially wise and ready in 2017 so please don't be selfish with today's episode go ahead and tell your co-workers tell you know your friends at church your spouse you know shoot an email cross-country to those bffs and your your college alum tell them you know to listen to it and to share it too let's let's get a word out about tanya's wisdom you know in today's episode and her inspiring words i hope you enjoy and I hope that you'll you'll hit me up on on the Twitter or on the Facebook or on the Instagram, and um, you know let me know what you enjoyed most. We're everywhere at TV Pod. I hope you enjoy. Tanya, thank you so much for being our featured guest on today's episode. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So. You know, we love to start off all our episodes from a place of gratitude, right? So I'd mm. love to have you share, you know, what you're most grateful for in your life right now. I'm grateful for my spiritual practice and um, being reminded that I'm always connected to to God. Yes. Amen yeah, I'm very that. grateful for that. Amen to that. So, you know, you're you're becoming this woman who's known for for money and for finance. What got you interested in finance? Wow. Yeah. I mean, the necessity to um, necessity of improving my own financial situation initially got me interested in it. And then once I started my fab finance, 
I realized and I felt like there was a void in the market for um, voices that sounded like me or voices that could identify with the fabulous millennial woman who, you know, enjoyed having a good time and enjoyed her life, but also wanted to be financially responsible. Someone who realized that they weren't mutually exclusive, that you could have, you know, both worlds. And so I was like, I'm just going to show people that it can be done and how to do it. Right. What was the fuel for putting the brand in place like what was your backstory was there something that you know unfolded that kind of really fueled my fab finance oh yeah of course I mean I think every you know idea or most of the most of good ones anyway have a backstory and Absolutely. the founder has some type of experience um that it it dawns on them that you know I need to create this thing to fulfill this need um for me it was a variety of things um Definitely moved to New York City with $500 in my bank account and was just winging it for a while and then ended up getting a job at a nonprofit. So it was an AmeriCorps position. So if anybody knows anything about AmeriCorps, you know you don't make money. That's one thing. Like you don't make money, you do good work. And this is in New York City. So I had that job and um, I was confronted with my financial, my spending habits and my issues because I was living above my means. I didn't have anything in savings. Previously in college, I was in an abusive relationship that was financially and emotionally abusive. And I hadn't done anything to address that as well as um, I was working with women who were low income or retired, who were kind of going into that golden stage of their life. And I realized what happened. I always say this. I realized what happened when you when, li- when you allow life to happen right. instead of planning for life. Yes. And that was, all of that was the perfect storm for creating MyFab Finance. When I started it, it was MyFab FICO. But I went to trade market and FICO was like, uh-uh, nah. We worked too hard to build this brand name. Right. Too close. And that was a blessing in disguise, though, because when I started my journey, it was more so about credit. And as I've evolved as a financial educator, I began to realize that it's not all about credit. Um, Actually, credit is about your relationship with debt, not necessarily your relationship with money. Um, But also, I wanted to touch on other topics such as life insurance, such as budgeting, such as debt elimination. And so I had to change my name to MyFab Finance, which was, you know, probably one of the best things that I did for the business. Yes. So what does MyFab Finance do today? MyFab Finance, our mission is to help millennials break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck so they can become financially free and do more of what they love. At the core of it, um, the core of my being is helping others own their power. So the way that I do that is through financial freedom. And then that opens up avenues for people to actually freely and comfortably tap into what it is they're passionate about and what they want to do with their time here on this planet. Because a lot of people take jobs, not necessarily because they're passionate about them, but but out of necessity. And then they lose themselves in those jobs just so they can make a living. But when you take financial stress out of the situation and add financial security in, then that frees you up to do more things and be um, more courageous, more bold, and take more risk and move closer towards your passions. And so that's ultimately ultimately my goal is to help people create generational wealth, but also lives they love. Because there's so many people who don't know what they're passionate about, aren't doing what they love, and are still broke. Yes. It's no point of being, you know, it's no point. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to do something you hate, then please don't be broke doing it. Um, unless it's a means to an end or, you know, you, you're doing that until you can become financially stable. You're doing it for extra income. So true. How long have you actually been in business now? I started my Fed Finance in 2013. So it's been four years. Wow. Congrats. 
Congrats. Yeah, so, thank you. So as a branding guy myself, right? I'm a, I'm yeah. a marketing and branding guy. Um, I have to tell you, I love your brand. I love, you know, what I see you doing. And, I'd, you know, I'd appreciate if you'd maybe share with us some of the steps you took to build your personal brand over over these last four years, right? Thanks. Thanks for that. that that's a huge compliment because I, I care. I, I do care about my brand. It's about tell. being fabulous. <laughs> and it's just like, how are we going to talk about being fabulous if you look for Right. Um, and in entirety. And so um, it's evolved. And that's one of the beautiful things about social media is that I'm, I leave stuff up so people can see the evolution of my fab finance from when I was throwing word graphics together on <laughs> word swag. to when I finally got someone to create templates for me. Um, and, and even those processes and like the different themes that we tried out the color scheme. Um, and to, I think this is the fourth iteration of the our fourth generation of my fab finance right now, the brand that is up. Um, and I'm really happy with it, but it's really interesting because before we got on the call, I'm working to consciously separate the brand. So when I got started with my fab finance, it was a personal blog. So it was all about me, all about my journey. But now, I mean, my community's grown approximately, I mean, social media wise, I think that community is different than the email list and um, Facebook engagement, but social media, we're over 50,000 um, followers strong. And then uh, email and um, between the email and other lists, we're about 20,000 strong. So it's grown to that. But now I'm realizing that there are other things I'm passionate about and my fab finance might not be it for me. It's not it for me. And so before we hopped on this call, I was setting up my own personal Twitter profile I've been figuring out what the Tanya Rapley brand looks like and separating that from the MyFab Finance brand. Yes. Um, because it's so easy to become your brand. It's so easy, especially when you're building it from the ground up and you're passionate about it. And you think about it before you go to sleep and you think about it before you wake up. Like You feel like it's you. Yes. Um, but yes. recently I realized that um, I need to create separation. And I'm thankful for that realization at this point because I think it allows me to simultaneously grow the brands. But I do want to say this for anyone who's starting a company or, you know, you have a brand and you're not really in love with it. There's always the opportunity to go in and make updates. I, I think one of the best things that I did with my fab finance was I just got started. A lot of people wait until their, their graphics are perfect or, you know, they, they, they just wait. They're always, they always have a reason for why it's not time. It's not time for this. And the first site was hideous. Like when I look at it, I did the banner myself in Photoshop. <laughs> Canva wasn't even around. Right. It, it's ugly. It really, it really was, but it got the job done, you know? Yes. And then the, the next version of the site, I paid this woman $300 at that time. I was like, I'm really invested in this, but I paid someone $300 to do a logo and a website for me. And it, it, I wouldn't use it now, but that's the same site that landed me on the cover of Black Enterprise Magazine. Wow. And so um, there's room for growth. And I think that your follower base, uh, people who are along that journey with you, they'll appreciate that growth and reduce that pressure or um, release that pressure of feeling like it has to be the first time, the perfect, the first time out. Right. Yes. Results happen in action, not in planning, right? Right. Execution. The execution is where the magic happens and where you learn the most. So, you know, on that, right, building on Gorinda brand was not easy. It's not easy for anyone. Uh, it's been difficult for me as well. But what have you had to give up to grow up? Mm. Ooh, um, that's a really good question. Yeah. And I call it glow up, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the glow up. I work uh, a lot. 
And so as a result, I mean, that has required me to turn down social outings, turn out tickets to events, um, turn down tickets to events, um, making the decision between am I going to finish this blog post and this content planning that I've been working on or am I going to go out with my friends? Right. And sometimes, you know, I implement self-care and go out with my friends or just go hang out with a friend or whatever. And other times the, um, the business takes precedence. Um, but I, I've, having, I've given up that. Um, I don't want to... I don't want to say I've given up security because I gained freedom in the same regard. But as an entrepreneur, it's not necessarily the most secure, you know, especially those first couple of years. I resigned September 2015 to do Finance full time. And it's that that graphic that you see about entrepreneurship. You know, you wake up in the morning, you're on the top of the world. And then by lunchtime, you're like below the trench and then... <laughs> By dinner time, you're somewhere in between. By the time you go back to bed, you're back at a low and you wake up at a high again. You know, it's it's it's, it's a wave of emotions. Um, so I would say stability in that regard. And that's why it's so important for me to have a spiritual practice and remember that I'm always connected um, to my source of power. But yeah, I don't look at it necessarily things I gave up because I've gained so much. I've gained new friendships and new relationships. Um, I've gained a different perspective. I've gained so much awareness of myself um, and my strengths and my weaknesses and things I need to work on. I've learned so much about other people. Um, it's been essentially a psychology experiment, you know, having a business you know, because you learn about how other people deal with you and then you learn about how you deal with other people. And um, it's, I've just gained some flexibility. I can honestly say flexibility has been the greatest thing. I mean, to be able to pick up and move across the country from Brooklyn, New York to Los Angeles, California. And when I was telling people I was moving, they're like, oh, so what are you going to do? I'm like, my fat finance. I could take my business across the country. I do it online. Um, and, and that is is beautiful. So I would say what I've lost during this um, process is is fear and wondering and having to ever wonder what would have happened if I had not chased his dream. Right. Let's talk about credit and finances. Money. Um, yeah. Talk to us about the biggest misconceptions people have about their credit and their finances. Hmm. Um, well, one of the biggest ones, I feel like I coach about this a lot in my inbox is that, um, your, the three credit scores that you get from credit karma, or even from FICO.com or your only credit scores, a lot of people don't realize like those are general pictures or general snapshots of your credit situation, but you actually have 40 different credit scores that you don't have access to and you won't know about until you go apply to the lending institutions that use them. So you have an auto oh, credit score, stop, which is... Stop right there. You said 40? 40. 40. Four zero. Yeah, I have there been are in financial services for fifteen years. I've never heard that said before. Yeah, so so each company or each financial institution or industry uses their own algorithm because you know applying for an apartment is different from applying for a mortgage. Applying for a mortgage is different for applying different than applying for a car. Um, applying for a car is different from renting a car. And so there are these different algorithms that they all use. Like everyone doesn't necessarily use the same FICO scoring model, and then they all have their own iterations of the scoring model to find out the information that's most valuable to them. Right. Those aren't available to the everyday consumer. And it's only taken into consideration when you go apply for that particular product or service. Right. Um, most recently that my, my husband and I witnessed that because we bought a car two weeks ago when we first got here to Los Angeles. And I think his credit score was like a 756. 
um, on um, when we looked at all the different the scoring models available to us. Great. That was like his average score. And then we go to apply for the car and they're like, no, it's a 701. Your auto score is a 701. And um, a lot of people don't realize that and they get into that situation and they think they can buy a car and qualify for, you know, tier one financing when in fact your credits, your auto score is tier three financing. And so that's something that a lot of people don't realize. The other thing that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to credit is how your spouse and their credit, their habits impact your finances. Uh, I don't think enough people, people realize that just because you're married to someone doesn't mean that you adopt their credit history. It's any debt or any contract that you go into together or co-sign on together or sign on together mm-hmm. is what is taken into consideration. But your spouse's credit score, just because they have bad credit, doesn't mean you'll have bad credit. Most of the time, that's just by association because... They might have poor money habits that lead to having bad credit. And then those poor money habits begin to impact impact your money habits. And then your credit goes down as a result. But your credit scores aren't linked. Um, So that's something else. Uh, A lot of people, you know, credit isn't necessary. That's another misconception. Credit allows you to buy things. But if you're in a position where, for example, a family member passes, leaves you the house, you have a car that's paid off. Credit isn't necessarily important to you unless you want to go out and finance something else. And that's important because, and that's also important when we think about legacy planning, because I don't think enough people think about, well, I'm going to make sure all my affairs are in order so I can pass this house down to my granddaughter or my son or whoever it may be. And even if they had bad credit, if you pass a house down to them, that's theirs, you know, a house that's paid off free and clear. And so... Um, I think that financial institutions put a lot of emphasis on credit score because they make money off the debt that we create. And if we weren't creating debt, they wouldn't be making as much money as they are. But credit is not necessary. It's helpful and it makes things easier, but it is not absolutely necessary. I'm just going to encourage everyone to hit, you know, that 15 second repeat a couple of times because <laughs> sorry yeah a I, I, I said a lot in there no this is great <laughs> you dropped some nuggets that i have never heard of and i, I lo- i'm loving it loving it loving it good i study this stuff and it's part of the journey you know nice. i think when i first came in um as a financial educator or a newbie to fight the financial education space it was it was what information is agreeable you know what's agreeable what will not rub the brands the wrong way or the banks the wrong way and allow me to partner but as i become more focused on helping people create change and their their own lives it's really pulling that veil back and being like hey this is what is being said but this is the truth and you should know the truth you should know what makes things easier but you should also know what your rights are um, and what you do and don't have to do as it pertains to financial freedom. And so I, I'm enjoying this part because now it allows me to put my activism cap on and um, help people in a different way by what, with what I'm learning. That's an interesting statement you just made. And it has me thinking, you know, do you find that all too often financial, well, some financial and advisors have to make sure that they err on the side of representing being an agent for their client Mm-hmm. And not necessarily for a, a bank or an institution. Um, you know, how do you how do you balance that? Yeah, I think so. There are so many different career paths, right? And and financial services. Um, I chose not to go the CFP route or anything heavily regulated because I just don't do well with that. Right. Um, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> I would be in trouble all the time. So um, I, I chose not to go that route. I'm, I'm a little too. 
I, and I, I don't want to downplay anyone who does it because I think that, you know, people who can dance yeah, that line do it well, yeah. Yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm a little rogue. I'll just say that I'm a little rogue <laughs> in, in those, in that regard. Um, and so I do think that sometimes with anything, there are people who have their own interests they want to fulfill. There are people who have the interests of their companies that they have to fulfill or sales goals that they have to meet, um, performance goals that they have to meet. And I think that sometimes that does impact the products and services that they sell to consumers and how they relate to consumers. And um, that even boils down to becoming an influencer in this space. You know, there are companies now that we built, I built my audience with MyFab Finance. I have to be careful about who I partner with um, and who I'm using my influence to support Yes, because they might not always have the best interest. But I think it boils down to who you are as an individual and the reason you started doing this work. If you started doing this work to help people, then that will be your guiding principle and you'll eventually return back to that even if you get sidetracked. But if you got into this work to make money and become wealthy, then it's probably people second, money first. So and it's important to when you're looking for a financial professional to work with or to help you plan out your future to kind of fill them out and and see what side of that um that diaphragm they they follow they fall on because you know some people are just like hey i'm just here to make a lot of money help you make a lot of money but that might not be the most ethical manner of doing things and it might not be the most compassionate way of doing things and so you just you really have to assess when you're working with a financial professional yes absolutely do so tanya what's the number one best financial advice you're determined to impart to those willing to listen and put into application in 2017 Mm, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be committed. That is life in general. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be committed. Commitment gets you a lot further than perfection. There are people who there are people who scored perfectly on their SAT scores and are sitting there and doing nothing with their life right now because they were perfect but not committed. But there are people who you know scored terribly on the SAT or whatever you know standardized test it was. And they were committed to living a life of excellence and pursuing their goals and dreams. And they're living the lives that they desired. Same thing with personal finance. Um, You don't have to know it all. There are people, and I love, you know, a lot of us read the stories and they go viral. The janitor that died a millionaire or the NFL player who had a six-figure salary but lived on a five-figure salary instead. There are a lot of people who don't necessarily have finance degrees, finance backgrounds, can't tell you, you know, the most recent um, with the Dow closed that today, or, you know, the most recent piece of legislation passed regarding investments um, and securities, but they have their money together because they were committed to doing that. And that's, what's important to realize. Um, my great, great grandfather was a sharecropper, uh, and instilled values into my great grandfather and my grandmother, my grandfather, and my grandfather died very well off, left my grandmother very well off. Um, that hasn't trickled down to me, unfortunately. But <laughs> I say that to say is that and it's just proof that when you're committed to um, doing right by with your money uh, and making financial decisions that are in the best interest of you and the legacy you want to leave, you can do powerful things. You don't have to be perfect. I, I really appreciate that. You know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, your thoughts on why black people struggle so much with with that legacy, um, that focus towards really investing for a next generation, right? And and being yeah. able to save and and do what you know we see 
other ethnic groups and ethnicities too, and, and, and racial groups doing so successfully without becoming too political or turning this into yes. that conversation. Um, it's, it's important. It's, it's important to recognize the systematic forces of oppression um, and the interest of keeping certain groups oppressed mm-hmm. financially and resource wise and education wise. Um, that's in play and that has been in play for generations um, and is in the framework of our societies and our global culture. Um, so I, that is very, very, very impactful. Um, and I think that any conversation about this should definitely acknowledge that. But then also it does boil down. I don't want to say it's a lack of education necessarily, um, but a lack of understanding of what needs to be done. So you can just, the housing crisis is a primary example. American dream, everybody was told you create wealth through home ownership. So everybody runs out and as soon as they're able to buy a house, what wasn't told or wasn't educated or impressed upon them was that there are terms that can be unfavorable when you purchase a home and you can actually end up in a worse situation by taking out a mortgage um, that is more than the actual home is worth. Um, There are also, there's something called arms that, you know, you get in, you're paying these interest only um, mortgage or this interest only mortgage. And then all of a sudden the principal comes due too, and your mortgage skyrockets. A lot of people weren't prepared for that. So they were told that home ownership is the way, but they weren't told how to do home ownership right so that it would be the way. You know what's um, So, yes. On that note, like back in 2004, 2005, I was one of those people, you know, dishing those loans out in mortgages, right? Mm, and, were you? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was working for a subprime lender in Florida. And, you know, at the time, I was making a ton of money working for a wholesaler, you know, and Mm -hmm. my clients, I wasn't giving the loans direct. You know, I was was working for uh, a lender, right, that was working through brokers, dishing out these loans left and right. But I have to say, you know, like, there's so many occasions where I saw loans come across that you had to be aware, right? I, I get that some people don't have the knowledge of, you know, what kind of paper they were taking, would it be an arm and didn't quite mm-hmm. understand all those things. But you complete an application and you say, uh, you know, I earn $80,000 a year and I'm going to state income, you know, for that range. And you sign that paper saying you earn 80 grand and you know full well you earn 50 you know, mm-hmm. but then you're hoping for that job promotion, and you're you hoping house, right? that everything's going to turn around, or it's your dream house, and and the bank approves it, so the bank approves it, exactly. we're good to go. And I feel like um, there's this yeah. mindset, right? Like, uh, you know, even off of that, where we have this this mindset of, well, if we can, we will, right? Yeah. Um, if we can buy, you know, a uh, a Benz or a a, a Beamer, we will. You know, yeah, we, we so, don't want to drive yeah. that cord. I mean, it goes into that just because you can, um, and exactly. that that is another thing. And I will like that is also a problem is is um, peer pressure, expectations, expectation from family members, social expectations, yes, um, but also um, impatience 
and living above your means before it's time, before you actually have the means yes. to um, to achieve certain things or have certain things. So the, all those things do contribute to it. And I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of Joneses um, keeping up with the Joneses going on. Social media has also become a culprit because people want to keep up. People are like, oh, my yes. gosh, XYZ lives a fabulous life. I want everybody to know I'm doing well <laughs> and I'm living a fabulous life, even though my student loans are nearly in default. And, you know. I have 70 cents into my bank in my bank account until I get paid. People still don't think I'm fabulous. Um, and so there, there is a lot of that. Um, and that, that also taps into how we view success and, um, how we view a successful person, because I think that people assume you have to wear your success instead of the understated success. And I do see that more in communities of color where success has to be worn and outwardly talked about, and you have to appear successful in order to be accepted as successful. Whereas one of the pictures that was one of my, um, a social media graphic of Bill Gates. I think it was Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. I think it was. They're having a conversation, and they were like, "All that wealth and not a Gucci belt in sight." Right. Um, you know, it's it, it is that, and so with my finance, I'm mindful of that because you still want to look and feel good, right. but not at the expense of your financial situation and your financial stability. But um, you're you're definitely right. You know, when I so before I did my Fed Finance full time, I worked as a outreach coordinator for a foreclosure prevention and rescue nonprofit in New York City. And New York City, the housing market is absolutely insane. It's very challenging for working class people to get a home. But while these rogue mortgages were being given out. Um, there were people who might make $70,000 getting approved for a $400,000 home. And a lot of people um, got in trouble with that. And I think it's the belief, the belief that the bank approved me for it. So that must mean that other people are doing it and I can do it too. Um, or if I just work harder, if I get a tenant, but then what happens if that tenant gets laid off? And we saw that a lot, that the tenant would get laid off and stop paying their rent. Then you can't afford to pay your mortgage because they're not paying their piece of it. And so it, it's, it's there's so many different layers to it. It's an onion. It's onion, Stephen. There's so many different layers to it. And, um, you know, at my Fed Finance, I'm very sensitive to the different layers. Um, I'm very sensitive to respectability politics or you should know better. But I'm also sensitive to people giving me socially acceptable reasons for not for not being where they say they want to be. Right. I don't do that either. I don't allow my clients or my readers to give me socially acceptable reasons for not owning their power. So it, it's balancing that. Yes. So <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> no, no, this is great. This is great information. And, and it's important for us to, to have that conversation, right? That's, that's what a lot of people are dealing with right now. Yeah. As we get set to wrap up here, you know, we, we love to tap into the resources of our guest. And I'd love to invite you to maybe share a book that you've read that's inspired you most. One, can I give you more than one? Absolutely could. Give me a couple books. Okay. So as a business owner, Profit First has been in an amazing book. It's called Profit First. It's by Mike, I'm going to mess his last name up, Michalowicz, I believe. When you see his last name, you'll figure out why I messed it up. Um, <laughs> but it is Profit First by Mike M. Okay. Um, that's a fantastic book for anyone who has a business or is starting a business, um, just on better managing your business finances because Business finance is very different from personal yes. finance, and you can't operate your business finances like you operate your personal finances. Um, so that's a great book. 
and understanding our habits, because I think that a lot of our financial situation is due to our habits. Mm -hmm. The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg is really good. It's a really enjoyable read, even for someone who might not be interested in personal finance. I found it to be really um, a, a really good book. And um, One Page Financial Plan by Carl Richards. I believe Carl Richards is, I know it's Carl. I think Richards is his last name. One Page Financial Plan. Um, it's one of my favorite financial books that I've read. Really comprehensive and helps people think about what financial planning means on their terms. So yeah. And then The Wealth Choice, Dennis Kimbrough. That's a really good book for people of color who are trying to understand what wealth generation looks like and means for them as a person of color and in society. This, these are good. These are good. I'm adding all of them to my queue. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya, name an online resource. Could be an app, software, or tool that you use every day and you can't live without it. Oh, Intuit, QuickBooks. <laughs> um, QuickBooks. QuickBooks and PayPal because I'm a business owner. So yes. QuickBooks allows me to invoice people as well as um, get a better understanding of how I'm spending my money. Um, traditionally, November and December um, tend to be slower months in the personal finance cycle and the coaching cycle in general. Um, and so just yesterday, actually, I was comparing the numbers between November, December, January 2016, 2017. And I realized, like, oh, I'm actually doing better this time around than I was last year. Um, and so it's some the numbers don't lie. You know, your numbers don't lie to you. Um, one of the most alarming things that I did last year, mid-year, was look at my expenses in relation to my income. And I was spending 50% of what I was bringing in. And so that was alarming. I was investing it all back into the business, but it still was alarming. And I realized I was hemorrhaging in my business. And so QuickBooks is so good for that because it not only allows me to, to invoice my clients and accept payments, but it also allows me to, to understand how I'm using my money and if I'm making the right decisions with my money, as well as if I'm on track for my financial goals and if I'm outperforming myself from the previous year. Good stuff. Before we wrap up, I'd love to invite you to share one action our future entrepreneurs or uh, aspiring trailblazers. Uh, what should they commit to this week to help them blaze your trail? They should commit to finishing the last course product or whatever it was they purchased. Preach. I see <laughs> so many people and myself Starting included where I had to put my foot down where, you know, everything sounds like a great idea. This is the internet, you know, people market really well. Um, there are a lot of things that you need to learn for your business. And it's easy to get into a habit of purchasing course after course after course or action plan after action plan without finishing. So before anyone thinks about doing anything, I'm not going to give them anything else to do. I want you to finish the last thing you purchased. Or if you finish the last thing you purchased, finish something else that you purchased and you haven't finished. That was actually one of the things I put on my vision board this year. It was like finish, finish. Completion. Yes. It feels so good. Yes. It, it feels so good, right? To, to complete something, whether it's finishing a book or finishing an online course. Um, so I'm challenging anyone listening to complete. And then I would love for them to tweet me on social media. Uh, and let me know how that worked out for them and let me know what they completed. Yes, yes. And so tell tell us how we can stay connected to you. Yeah, so MyFab Finance, I'm uniformly branded um, for the brand MyFab Finance. And that still is me. I still operate that and have my hands in it so they can connect with me there. Um, MyFab Finance on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn, MyFab Finance, as well as visiting MyFabFinance.com. 
If there's anyone who is struggling with debt, I have a debt elimination challenge and course, e-course called Banish the Balance that has helped over 5,000 participants eliminate more than a quarter million dollars of debt. And so um, that's totally free and available. And it comes with a really supportive community. Right now, the community is on a spendication. We're doing a spendication where everybody chose a category for the week that they were not going to spend money on. Nice. So um, that's what we're doing this week within the community. It's called a spendication. A spendication, <laughs> yeah. And so you can join um, in on that community and participate in the challenges that we do and so forth through the Banish the Balance Challenge, which is banishthebalance.com, or you can find it on my homepage at myfabfinance.com. Love it. Tanya, thank you so very much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate all the wisdom you've poured out in the call. And I'm just excited to kind of put some of this into application myself. So thanks, Stephen. This has been a long time coming, right? This is our third time trying to schedule it. So (laughs) third time's a charm. Listen, I I believe everything happens in its time. And God didn't want us to have this call till this this point in time. So everything worked out as it should. So I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you. Congrats on your move to the left coast and hope hope everything adjusts well for you in the course of the year and we're looking for you're now part of the trailblazer family and we're excited to kind of see your journey uh throughout the course of this of this year i'm excited to connect with fellow trailblazers and thank you so much for having me well that's it for today thanks again for listening to this episode of the trailblazers podcast i'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tbpod.com if today was your first time listening to the trailblazers podcast i just want to extend a warm trailblazers welcome to you we're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.